The National Desk, Conversations, America's News Now. I'm Jan Jeffcoat, and welcome to Episode 4 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everyone's talking about. On today's podcast, we revisit our conversation with pollster Scott Rasmussen and some surprising numbers that show American voters are not paying attention to some of the biggest moves Congress makes when passing legislation. Then we hear from Alfredo Ortiz, president and CEO of Job Creators Network. He's been central in defending the rights of businesses that are suing the Biden administration over vaccine mandates. And we begin with the rising cost of energy. They've become part of our inflation nation. For answers on how high they could go and for how long, we turn to someone who studied economic trends and is a master at making stock market moves. Gas prices are at a seven-year high, and now the Biden administration is feeling the heat for making the rare move to tap into the nation's petroleum reserves. Will we, though, actually see some relief at the pump? And if so, how much for how long? Joining us now, former investment banker and New York Times best-selling author, Carol Roth. Carol, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Jan, and happy early Thanksgiving. Yeah, likewise. What I love about you, Carol, is you just tell it like it is. You wrote on Twitter, quote, strategic oil reserves are for emergencies, not for stupid governance decisions. POTUS canceled oil and gas leases, shut down a pipeline, and has been pushing us away from our energy independence. That must be restored. So the big question, why did he do this then? Are we going to see any relief? And if so, when? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this was a publicity stunt. The amount that they uh, released from the reserves maybe gave us two and a half to three days worth of oil and certainly was in response to bad polling numbers. But this is the problem when you have central planners thinking that they're you know, just so smart and they go ahead and they try to manage the economy. Obviously, we can invest in cleaner energy initiatives without jeopardizing our current state of affairs by letting the market do what it does best. Unfortunately, you have these central planners with their feel-good agendas, and they have real-life consequences for Americans. We're seeing that at the pump right now. And unfortunately, if this continues to go on this trajectory, it actually could impact our uh, ability to have power overall. So it would be really good to go back to being the number one energy producer in the world instead of being uh, in a position to beg oil cartels. And Carol, as you mentioned, this was largely a PR stunt. So don't you think lawmakers who support the administration and these policies know exactly what's going to lead to higher gas prices? I mean, I feel like that's the multi-trillion dollar question. You know, how much do they know? Have they actually thought through the consequences? Um, and how much of this is, you know, in intentional and how much of this right. is just incompetence? Uh, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't matter what their intention is. The outcome is the same when you have them sticking their nose into places where they really shouldn't be. And the market's going to sort this out because we want to be good stewards of the planet. So they, they should be taking this as a wake-up call. I'm just not super optimistic that they will. Earlier this week, President Biden referred to his time in the White House as a, quote, small business presidency. <laughs> what was your thoughts on this? Because you wrote a book, and your book was titled The War on Small Business, and you explored how pandemic lockdowns devastated small businesses. 
Yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, I had a number of people hitting me up on social media going, Carol, I'm sure that you have thoughts about uh, <laughs> the president calling himself the, the small business presidency or, or small business president. And to be fair, he inherited the war on small business from the previous Congress and decisions made by the uh, past administration. But everything that he's done in the current administration has actually made it worse. If you look at the American Rescue Plan, mere crumbs were given to small business and it was fraught with problems in terms of getting it to the right people. And then it extended the uh, the labor issues and it extended um, and created more issues with inflation, all things that have impacted small business. Plus, the president is incredibly pro-union and sponsoring legislation like the PRO Act, which will impact gig workers and small businesses the most. So as I said, to be fair, no government is really the friend of small business, but to come out and call yourself the small business president, uh, especially in a situation when we have small businesses struggling, is pretty insulting. Carol, organized retail crime rings popping up right now all over the country. Best Buy CEO recently spoke about the increase in theft, saying, quote, when we talk about why there are so many people looking for other jobs or switching careers, this, of course, would be something that would play into my concerns for our people. Because, again, priority one is just human safety. And it's hard to deal with this potentially multiple times in one location. Let's talk about how these crimes are having an impact, not just on the bottom line for some of these businesses, but also jobs. I mean, who wants to work at these retail shops now and, and who wants to shop if they right. don't feel safe? Right. I mean, it's the time of the year that we're all supposed to be going out and buying uh, gifts. But obviously, this is happening not just your downtown in the cities, but in very upscale suburbs. And whether you are a worker or a shopper, it really creates a pause. And these are the real costs. I think a lot of people say, oh, well, businesses have insurance, but eventually somebody pays. So that means the businesses have to pass those prices on to consumers. And if they can't, they go out of business. And that means fewer jobs. Um, and as you mentioned, and just you know, harder to attract people. So this is not something that is good in any way, shape, or form for the economy or just for living in a polite society, Jan. Carol, the Build Back Better agenda causing all kinds of concern in the business community. How do you see this impacting jobs, especially as a lot of these businesses are still struggling to just employ people? I mean, obviously, the best thing for jobs is to get the government out of the way. I mean, we're, we're seeing um, all kinds of issues like the government coming down with mandates for vaccines that are taking people out of the workforce instead of bringing people back into the workforce. I think the Build Back Better agenda, again, is this central planning trying to control the economy and all these things that we're talking about, uh, whether it be oil or, or you know, small business or whatnot, this is showing the consequences when central planners think that they know better than the better than the overall economy. And not only that, we have trillions of dollars that are being directed at a time when we're dealing with massive runaway inflation. So it doesn't seem particularly prudent to be expanding the scope of the government and to be throwing money on the fire of inflation. And I think that's where you're seeing concerns from business um, as well as the market and the potential Federal Reserve response to that. Carol Roth, the author of The War on Small Business. We appreciate you joining us here on The National Desk. You're listening to our weekly podcast, The National Desk Conversations, featuring newsmaker interviews from The National Desk, America's News Now. Next on episode four of our podcast, Scott Rasmussen. 
We are all feeling the cost of inflation, and now some polls show most Americans feel it's only going to get worse with Biden's Build Back Better agenda. Joining us now to discuss his latest polling is Scott Rasmussen of Ballotpedia. Scott, good morning to you. I've got to tell you, as I was looking at your polling numbers, the one that caught my eye the most was the one that showed Americans are not paying attention to Congress. In fact, your poll showed just 19% of Americans actually knew the infrastructure bill was passed and that the Build Back Better agenda was not. 19%? What's your thoughts on that? You know, Jan, what's really amazing about that number is I conducted the survey on the day the president was signing the bill. You know, your show and every other news outlet was covering it extensively, and voters were just tuning it out. Now, some of this is just confusion about the process. Some people thought both bills passed. Some people thought neither passed. But the reality is most Americans are facing challenges at the gas pump or with COVID or with work concerns, a whole bunch of things going on. We're two years into a pandemic. And you know what? They're just not focused on what Congress cares about right now. Uh, you know, After so many bills, so many pieces of trillion dollar legislation, I think people are just numb. And, and nearly everyone, 92%, has said that inflation is a serious problem. Let's take a look at just how serious voters thought that problem was. This is something that, you know, again, ties very much to issues close to home. 64% say the issues of, of inflation are very serious. Uh, we also know from other data that people don't think this is a temporary situation that is going to be going on for a long time. And, and the majority also believes Americans uh, that Biden's Build Back Better agenda will only make inflation worse. Why don't you break down those numbers for us? Yeah, well, let's be clear about this. Like we just mentioned that not a whole lot of people are paying attention. So I did introduce the question by saying this is a bill that will increase federal spending and taxes. Didn't put any numbers in or anything else. Um, people instinctively believe more government spending leads to, to more inflation. 56% tend to believe that about this legislation. 14% say, nope, that's not gonna happen. Uh, it's also important to note, Jan, that a solid majority of voters believe that inflation is a tax on the poor. Uh, and the reason for that, you know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, and you put 20 bucks more into your gas tank, that's 20 bucks less to spend on groceries. Yeah, it's a real serious problem. And we know this bill, by the way, faces an uphill battle in the Senate, but if it does pass, what impact do you foresee this having on President Biden's approval rating? Passing the legislation will have no impact on the president's approval rating. Uh, issues about the economy, you know, supply chain issues. I just saw you mentioning that in the previous segment. Most voters want the president to ease, uh, president and companies to ease vaccine mandates if it'll help ease the supply chain crisis. People want action on the issues that are affecting their day-to-day -day life. Uh, they want to see, they, they believe the economy will be better off in general if we begin to relax some of the COVID restrictions. And to the degree that the Biden administration is moving in the opposite direction, uh, that's going to continue to be very harmful. Uh, so passing a bill in Congress won't change things. It's the reality in day-to-day -day life in America. Speaking of which, just this week, Press Secretary Jen Psaki did confirm President Biden's intentions to run for re-election in 2024. He's 79, the oldest sitting president in U.S. history. We knew this was going to be the outcome because he risks being a lame duck president if the White House does not say this, and he's just 10 months into his presidency. So, so Scott, taking a look at his latest approval rating, how likely is it for President Biden to be re-elected the way things stand right now? 
The way things stand right now, not at all likely. Uh, I think the bigger story here is the very fact that the president had to make this statement and, his, and the White House had to make this assurance that he's going to run for re-election. That tells you just how much trouble he's in. Uh, the president's poll numbers consistently now in the low 40 percent range, a lot of state by state polling showing that he would lose battleground states to former President Trump. I don't know who the nominee is going to be in either party in 2024. That's a long way away. But right now, this is an administration that is really struggling to get its footing. Scott Rasmussen, we appreciate you joining us this morning here on the National Desk. You are listening to the National Desk Conversations. I'm Jan Jeffcoat, and this is our weekly podcast featuring newsmaker interviews taken right from our morning news broadcast. The National Desk, America's News Now. Our final interview on this podcast, Alfredo Ortiz from the Job Creators Network. The message to the businesses from the White House is to push through with vaccine mandates despite a court order to suspend it, according to several reports. The Job Creators Network, which advocates for tens of thousands of businesses, has filed a lawsuit and even sent a letter to the president stating in part, this mandate is not a small ask of America's employers. Businesses are just recovering from the pandemic. They are dealing with the highest inflation in over 30 years, and they are struggling to deal with a supply chain and labor shortage crisis. Now is the worst time to deputize them as the health police. Joining us now on the latest legal course of action is president and CEO of Job Creators Network, Alfredo Ortiz. Alfredo, good morning to you. Good morning, Jan. Why did your organization file that notice with the Sixth uh, Circuit Court of Appeals? Why did you have to do that? Yeah, well, we felt it was necessary because despite the fact that the federal court issued two different stays on this and reaffirming their first one, the White House continues to keep bullying our small business owners effectively into compliance. You had Jen Psaki uh, at her press conferences twice basically saying, uh, we believe we're in the right and we are telling businesses to continue to comply by January the 4th. So they are willfully, uh, effectively uh, disobeying the order of the court. And in fact, OSHA itself, uh, after the second time, uh, they actually put on their website that they should stop uh, all, all different kind of compliance issues uh, and they, they won't be enforcing. Yet the White House continues to keep pushing. And Alfredo, this sounds kind of, uh, kind of like a legal mess because what if someone is fired as a result of not meeting that mandate? Can they now sue the company, the government? It just sounds like a big mess for, for businesses in general. Yeah, it, it really is, Janet. And that's a big part of it is the consequences that are being involved. They just don't understand the reality. They are so out of touch with the way small business owners. Remember, Jen, we have, we've got three holidays basically between now and January the 4th. If you're a small business owner, and you're hearing two conflicting things, one from OSHA and one from the White House, your, your lawyers are probably even saying, go ahead and actually uh, comply because we just don't know where it's going to happen. And so folks are going to start getting fired or taking the vaccines, and there's going to be unintended consequences either from you know people dying from it because they might have uh, reactions to it or you know losing their livelihoods and their jobs. And as you mentioned, we're now deputizing these businesses as well. What kind of ramifications does that have in and of itself? Yeah, well, look, I mean, the, the kind of uh, impact it's going to have on our small businesses is ridiculous because you have fines that start at about $14,000 and climb up to $140,000 unless they comply. And so they are literally forcing small business owners to become the vaccine police. And that is just not their job. And frankly, it's not OSHA's job either. It's not what Congress ever gave authority 
uh, for OSHA to do. Let's talk about Build Back Better, the bill right now sitting in the Senate. Huh. How will this bill impact small businesses? And by the way, we should also say small businesses are any business under 500 employees. So even though we consider right. uh, small, people might think just a few employees, it, it can be hundreds. Those are the kind of businesses that you guys uh, also represent. Yeah, that's right, Jan. We like calling it the Build Back uh, Broke Plan because that's exactly what it is. It's going to really break our economy. I mean, when you start adding up the trillions of dollars right now that the, the Democrats are looking at spending, if this bill goes through, Jan, we're getting close to $10 trillion of spending. And I just don't understand how anyone in the Biden administration with a straight face can look at the American public and tell them that by spending an extra two or three trillion dollars, uh, and, and if you look at the real numbers, it's probably closer to $5 trillion, Jan, that that's going to help inflation. I, I, I mean, it makes absolutely no sense, and I can't even believe that they're trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, convince the American public of that. It's unbelievable, but it's typical of the Democrats. Speaking of inflation, Alfredo, can you share some stories with us and give us an idea uh, of just how small businesses are coping right now with rising prices and supply chain issues? Yeah, it's it's those two. Plus, remember, uh, Jane, they're also dealing with a labor shortage. So you've got supply chain issues, you've got rising prices uh, and, and, and the labor shortage. In many cases, what small business owners are doing, uh, if you're a restaurant, for example, you're, you you probably have gone in, uh, if, you're, if you go to a restaurant recently, and, and the portion sizes are getting smaller because they're trying to manage the cost. Um, people who like their six ounce and nine ounce pours on their wines, well, those are now five ounce and eight ounces. Uh, because that's what small business owners are trying to do. So, you know, across the board, doesn't matter which industry, they're trying to comply. In some cases, they're just buying uh, stuff at spot market prices, which is just ridiculously high because they have no other choice. They're trying to fill orders. Um, and it's just really getting much harder every single day, especially with these inflation uh, uh, numbers going uh, sky high the way they are. Yeah. All right. President and CEO of Job Creators Network, Alfredo Ortiz, we appreciate you joining us this morning here Thanks. on the National Desk. That's episode four of the National Desk Conversations. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for the National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings or watch on the Stir app. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. The conversation continues. Until next time, from the National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.